April 7th, 2019. Twelve runs is just barely enough as the Nationals' bullpen melts down again. But the Nats win, moving to 3-2 and two on the week and 4-4 four and four on the season. We talk about the bullpen woes, Trevor Rosenthal's yips, and Anthony Rendon's blazing hot start. Plus, who's in more trouble among contenders, the Red Sox or the Cubs? From Bethesda, Maryland, it's Jacob Rash. From Ann Arbor, Michigan, it's Johnny Rash. And this is the Rashcast with Jake and John. All right, welcome to the Rashcast, another episode of the Rashcast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm Johnny. So the uh, the Nationals capped off a 3-2 and two week. And if you were to look at the schedule, two games against the Phillies at home, uh, three against the Mets on the road, I think a 3-2 and two week is exactly what you would have hoped for. Uh, but, but not like this, man. Not like this. This was a very, very stressful 3-2. and two. Yes, uh, including one of possibly the 10 worst games in Nats history on oh. Tuesday when Bryce Harper basically showed up the entire franchise and embarrassed them and pulled their pants down. Uh, Honestly, good for him. I mean, we booed him. I, someone said this on Twitter, and I agreed with it. I don't remember who said it, but if Bryce Harper really wanted to come back to DC, he wouldn't have done the 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 pimping and everything, which I agreed with. Well, no, I don't. I don't know that that's true. I think that he more than most players in baseball understands that baseball is entertainment. And he knows now that if he has to play the heel, that's how you do it. And, you know, he went out there and put on a pro wrestling style show. And it was awesome if you weren't a Nats fan. And if you were a Nats fan, it made you want to die. Yeah, it's going to be gonna be really interesting, you know, not going back to Philly and seeing him again. I mean, he, he led us up the whole, the, both games. Two for two the second game, three walks. Uh, this is going to be an interesting 13 years. Yes, I mean, he's all, not always going to be April Bryce Harper, and uh, you know he's not always going to be twenty six year old Bryce Harper. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting uh, and frustrating at a lot of times. But he's he's doing his best to be a heel, and I, you know what, honest to God, I appreciate that yeah. because it's no fun to root for a player who doesn't care or root yep. against a player who doesn't care. I mean, yep. No, it should be uh, exciting. But uh, yep. you know what Bryce Harper did really well, as did everybody else in Major League Baseball? What's that? Hit off the Nationals' bullpen. Ah, uh, the Nationals' bullpen. And in the eighth inning, too. Here's a fun fact, uh, and I'll let Johnny share it since he looked it up. Yes. Uh, so the Nats' bullpen has given up 17 runs in the eighth inning uh, this year so far. That is more than the starting pitching of the Pirates, the Rays, the Braves, the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Tigers. Um, so just, uh, putting that in a little bit of perspective, the Nats bullpen has given up more runs in one inning than entire teams starting rotation. Entire teams starting rotations. It's amazing. I mean, they're basically all the stats are bad. Uh, they're giving up two homers per nine. They're walking five per nine. They're somehow getting 27% ground balls, which is terrible. Uh, the ERA, obviously terrible, 10-8. Uh, the FIP, which was good until Saturday, or much better until Saturday, uh, they essentially fixed it by giving up a ton of home runs. 
Uh, and so now it's a 565 FIP, which is terrible. Uh, they, I mean, there's no way to put it other than basically everyone who's not named Sean Doolittle has been terrible. Yeah. No, seriously. It's, it's really bad. Uh, I mean, I've never really seen anything like this before in, in all my years of watching baseball. Uh, just an entire team. It seems like anyone comes in and nobody wants the ball to pitch. Uh, today, we saw Joe Ross, who just got called up, walk the first two batters, give up a loud out to Travis Darno, and then get crushed by Michael Conforto before being what, cold. What was funny to me about that whole thing was he comes in, he gets the first two strikes, like he looks pretty good, 95 mile an hour fastballs to the black, and then all of a sudden, it's, it was like something hit him, and he remembered, oh wait, this is the Nationals bullpen. Yes. Uh, I mean, say there's so many words you can say about Trevor Rosenthal. It's just, I, he set a major league record today. I mean, good for him. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, he's going to be in the record books. Yeah. Most appearances without a retired out. Um, I, I, I gotta and, say there are two streaks going on right now in baseball that share both a lot of infamy. I, I, I wonder which one's more. You know, harder to achieve. Chris Davis's, Davis. Yeah, yeah, Chris Davis or, or Trevor Rosenthal. Um, what do you think? Which one's harder? Probably. Uh, uh, you know, I I gotta say Davis because it's been over such a longer stretch of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, it's it's like Rosenthal is he's got Rick and Keel disease. Like he, like it, it was like. He came in in that first appearance. He got a ground ball to short that Turner couldn't record the out on. And then everything just seemed to fall apart for him. Uh, and it, it just seems to be getting worse, not better. And, you know, if I'm the Nets, you've, you've really got to IL him. You've got to make up some sort of head disease for him, give him a couple days off, send him down to AAA or AA on a rehab assignment, and just let him find the zone again. Because I mean, he threw two wild pitches out of seven of the pitches he threw. And the other one, you know, one of the other ones hit a guy. So, you know, he's a danger to himself, to the batters, to everything in the air, birds too. I mean, it's it's sensational. I've I mean the the closest comp I can think of is Rick Ankeel, but at least Ankeel, you know. In that start, the division series start against the Braves, he managed to get through two innings. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's ludicrous. It is. And then it'd be it'd be one thing for just Trevor Rosenthal, but it's everybody except for Sean Doolittle. And that right. is just you know, Tony Sipp has not looked great. He got that one out against Robinson Cano. Um Wander Swear, who did some Houdini magic trick today to get out of the eighth. Um, also has not looked great. Uh, I mean, Justin Miller, who was our only sure thing besides Sean Doolittle, got lit up yesterday. So right. it really is, you know, you send Trevor Rosenthal down, you put him on the IL, then what? I mean, there's you call up Austin Williams for now, but, like, there's no reinforcements coming. And there's, you know, even if you were to sign Craig Kimbrell, he's one guy. Yeah. You know, it's a seven-man bullpen. And you would have two guys who can actually pitch. 
out of seven. Like there's, there's just, it's like plugging a giant gaping hole in a dam that's about to collapse. Like you, there's just, there's nothing you, you can do at this point except, you know, keep sending them out there and hope, you know, maybe they won't suck this time. I agree. And also we're still only eight games in, uh, but you know, you're, you're playing a lot of division games early, especially. I mean, just, um, it's, it's insane. We played Mets, Phillies, Mets, Phillies. We play so many games against the same teams. Uh, but these games are very important and we need to win these games. And how long can you just keep throwing them out there without doing anything? Um, but I don't know what you can do. I mean, guys, what are the options here? I mean, yeah, Craig Kimball's one guy, but he shifts everything. You know, it doesn't really do much if no one can get outs anyway. But it's also like saying something. I don't know. It's something. But even if you even if you sign Kimbrel, he's not going to be ready for any of these division games. No, you know, he's going to take at least two or three weeks to get ready. And in the interim, I, I mean, I don't know what you do. Like these guys aren't great by track record, but they're not this bad because nobody's this bad. No. Uh, you know. <laughs> You gotta hope that there's some sort of regression to the mean in a positive sense that's gonna happen, because, like, I, I thought this was gonna be a soft spot for the Nats, you know, bullpen issues, but I don't think anyone in history could have, you know, foreseen this. This is, this is unprecedented, and it's it's just it's amazing. Um. Yeah, and here's the thing, you know. A lot of people on online and himself included have wanted to take Davy Williams out of the. I'm um, not Davy Williams, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> slip. good enough. <laughs> it's basically the same thing. Exactly. Davy uh, wanted to bring uh, Davy out. Martinez, uh, no blame on this. And when I say himself included, he had very disparaging comments. You know, I can only throw my guys out there. If you're not throwing strikes, you know, what can I do? Which, in a sense, he's right about. But this is a mental issue, and you're having your manager keep throwing you under the bus. I, I Davies, mean, Davies' entire—I mean, I, I've seen it over the last year and a half. Davies' entire sort of ethos is keeping Davy Martinez employed, uh, and it shows in his managerial style. I've never seen a manager be more willing to throw his players under the bus. I mean. Even if you know that you're not responsible, take some responsibility or accountability in the media just I mean, to take some heat off the guys. You see, I mean, it's you, not going to work. No. But you see another manager around the league. I mean, Alex Cora, the Red Sox are struggling. We'll get into more on that later. But Alex Cora says, you know, I got to start coaching. These, I got to start managing better. I have to do something different. He puts the blame on himself, which is as a manager of men, you're supposed to do as a leader of men. And he, Davey John, I mean, <laughs> He's saying Davey Johnson now. Uh, Don't Davey insult Davey Johnson. No, I'm sorry, Davey. Uh, the other Davey, Davey Martinez, he is just, you know, he brings out the camels. He's not. Yep. He's, he's, he's your worst. He's the worst quality of every kind of stepdad out there. Like, first he does all the cutesy things to try to win your affection. Then he becomes a complete hard ass. And all the while, if you don't like him, it's your fault. Like mm -hmm. he's he's the worst stepdad in baseball, is how yeah. I can describe Davey Martinez. And listen, 
you know, he bears some accountability for some of the other things that have gone wrong in this season, especially the base running issues. Because yeah. if you if you can't teach your players sound fundamental base running when you've spent the entire training working on it, then you bear some responsibility because you're obviously not getting through to them. I mean, this but, week in the since this weekend has been a little bit better with base running. Yes, um, there were no egregious errors on the base pass. Yeah. So hopefully but, things are getting figured out there. Um, so that's the bad stuff that's been going on, but the team is still four and four somehow. So yes. let's talk about a little bit about why this team is still four and four. And I, it really points to one person to me, and that's Anthony Rendon. Uh, he looks like a guy who's locked in to have a big season. Already's putting up big numbers in four fifty-five. He's hitting four thirty-three. Four thirty-three. I know it's two back-to-back numbers. Um, had a big three-run homer today, which ended up being a big three-run homer uh, today. So yeah, ended up being the difference in the game when it yeah. was twelve to one. Didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. So Anthony, there it looks was, like there Anthony was a point. Rendon, there was a point in the game. I know we're talking about good stuff and not bad stuff anymore. But when it was first and third, nobody out, twelve six, and Suero had gone three zero. I thought they were going to lose the game. Like yeah, and I don't. I don't think I was being irrational to think that. No. Uh, have, but anyway. It looks like Anthony Rendon is, is taking the step to become the offensive leader for this team. Um, he's putting up, he's coming up big in situations. He's he's looked more locked in. He's looked more aggressive. Uh, interesting stat given on the radio yesterday. Anthony Rendon in his career on 3-0 counts was 0-2. Uh, this, and this year he's 2-2 for with two doubles. Uh, so it looks like Anthony Rendon is really trying to be the aggressor and it's really paying off for him. Uh, yeah, and Rendon's been fantastic. The other sort of engine that's driving the Nats' offense right now is Victor Robles. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of discussion about moving Victor Robles out of the nine spot. Uh, and, you know, I, I see the argument for it, especially because the two-hole has been a black hole for the Nats. Uh, Dozier has been truly, like, really sort of, worryingly bad in ways that, that make you concerned. I mean, obviously two hits and 23 at-bats is concerning, but more than that, it's just the quality of at-bats he's having haven't been good, uh, and the contact he's been making, he's been struggling to put the ball in the air. Uh, so that's very worrisome. Uh, I mean, at least but, we have Harry Kendrick to back right. him up. So. And Kendrick looked good today. Uh, mm-hmm. So I see the argument. But I don't think the way to fix it is take Robles out of the ninth spot, especially when, you know, he's he's hitting so well out of it. And obviously, you see the problems with it. You know, the Nats have had a couple of occasions. Uh, there was one in today's game when Max Scherzer came up with the bases loaded and one out uh, because he was hitting in the eight hole. You know, he came through because he's Max Scherzer, crazy person. But uh, you know, I've seen a couple of circumstances where having the pitcher bat eighth has hurt the Nats. But with Robles hitting the way he's hitting, I just I don't want to change anything yet. I think the better thing to do is shuffle the lineup so that someone who's not Dozier is hitting in the two hole. Uh, Soto, maybe. I mean, you don't want Soto. Go, not... Yeah, Soto would be a great fit. Soto isn't hitting for power yet, but he's he's walking. He's still having good at bats. Uh, so I think he'd be perfect for the two hole right now. Maybe yeah, I, 
The problem is it's lefty lefty at the top of the lineup, but yeah, uh, but yeah. I mean, I mean, you could move Rendon up to the two hole, Soto to the three hole. Uh, I would rather have Soto hitting in front of Rendon. I'd go left left. I mean, I know you, this lineup doesn't have a ton of lefties, but I just I think it makes the most sense to have Eaton Soto, two guys who get on a ton right in front of Rendon, uh, and then uh, I mean. Obviously, this would work better if Trey Turner hadn't broken his thumb or yes. index finger, not thumb. Uh, and who knows how long he'll be out. I mean, I would guess six to eight weeks, but I'm not a, a, a doctor, not an orthopedist, so I couldn't tell you. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I just I think that for the time being, even with, Turner's absence and, you know, being forced to hit Wilmer Defoe seventh. uh, I just, I don't feel comfortable moving Robles yet because he's been so successful. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about one other thing I I liked so far, though, this year. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was uh, Strasburg uh, in his last start. Yeah. That was kind of probably the Nats' best start this year, I would say. Uh, Corbin also looked great yesterday too, but other than the three home run balls, yeah. Uh, but what I liked about Strasburg was that his off speed stuff was so on point, um, right. and it really made the ninety three ninety four where he was sitting at really stand out and look electric. It, 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 he was locating every pitch, and it was truly you know, you know he stifled the the Mets lineup. He looked fantastic, and if this is, you know, always with Strasburg, it's when he's healthy, he's good. But if this is the Strasburg we can get this year, I think he could put up big numbers. I mean, the concern is when a guy loses a couple miles an hour off of fa- off his fastball, what you're really losing more than anything else is margin for error. Uh, now Strasburg has to locate perfectly. This has been a problem for him in his career. You know, he always has this tendency to, in the past, make mistakes you know, leave O2 pitches over the middle uh, and sort of hope that his stuff will take care of it. I mean, the stuff is still certainly major league quality. Uh, probably, you know, top flight major league pitcher quality because the off speed is just so good. Uh, and, you know, 93, 94 still plays even in this environment. But uh, the thing is, he's not always going to be as pinpoint with his command as he was on Thursday. So the question is, what happens then? Uh, And, you know, what I really liked about Strasburg's outing, uh, more than anything else, is the way he finished it. Uh, Not with the two singles, one of which was just a little roller through the infield from McNeil. But uh, hitting 95 or 95.7, according to Brooks Baseball, with a two-seam fastball, the strikeout Ramos, uh, you know, which which suggests that he's got something left in the tank and that he's doing mm-hmm. a really good job of management of his body and that, you know, Strasburg has a tendency or, or had a tendency in the past to sort of wear down at the end of starts. Uh, to see that he had so much left in reserve, even at his, I think that was his 102nd pitch of the game, uh, is really heartening. It suggests that he's, you know, sort of learned how to pace himself and is becoming, you know, the pitcher that we all hoped he would eventually be. Uh, obviously, the question is health with him. 
He's looked healthy so far. So, uh, yeah, I, I think his, his start on Thursday was really encouraging. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's a lot for the Nats. Um, looking at the week ahead, we got three against the Phillies before yet another off day, and then three against the Pirates at home. Um, so our first non-division matchup, which will be exciting. Pirates, yes. who got into a bit of a kerfuffle today. Uh, a kerfuffle. A Donnybrook. Kerfuffle. Uh, yes. I can't think of any other terms. Uh, uh, but yeah, so Derek Dietrich hit a long, towering home run. And yes, very did. much so admired his work. Um, I mean, it, it was Bonds quality. The guy just stood there. I mean, that's... That's what Bonds used to do because if you remember, Bonds had the great mechanics where he would always finish on his back foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so basically he would just go from swinging to leaning to admiring. And that's exactly what Dietrich did. Well, anyway, so Derek Dietrich hit that far home run, admired his work, went around the bases, came up again the next at bat, and Chris Archer threw behind him because obviously – um, benches cleared. Yasiel Pui got very amped up, um, and he was tossed from the game as long as well as uh, Felipe Vasquez, Four, yeah. Yeah, a couple other a, Pirates I players. Think there was five players in total were tossed. Yeah, um, and so after all of this, there were lots of calls for MLB base, uh, Major League Baseball to suspend Chris Archer uh, for throwing behind Derek Dietrich. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, as always, I think the five game suspension thing that they do for this is, you know, it's, it's fine. Uh, I think he probably deserves the five game suspension. Uh, I mean, he threw behind him, uh, in a way that probably wasn't so dangerous. Uh, so I'm, I'm, my opinion on bean balls and on the unwritten rules is this, the unwritten rules are very racistly applied and very racist sort of in general. Because they're sort of uh, tailored towards a game that is very much the white way of playing baseball. Uh, and that's a problem with, you know, uh, Latino and Asian players who play the game a different way. But that being said, I think that baseball functioned best. When players watch their homers uh, and, you know, do egregious bat flips and all that, and then, you know, there's a consequence to that, the, you know, the chance of a beanball. Uh, and I don't think beanballs should ever be up and in. Uh, I don't think they should ever be chin high. I don't think they should ever be at the hands. Nothing that can cause real injury. But, you know, baseball is an entertainment sport, and I find it entertaining when a guy watches his homer, and then he gets hit, and that starts a brawl. I mean, it's it's fun. It's, it's the natural be... order of things. <laughs> How dare you disturb the natural order? Sorry. Uh, we just watched Network the Play a couple months ago. Uh, but, uh, the yeah, exactly. It's not only the natural order. It's, it's fun. I mean, yeah. brawls are fun. They're especially fun when they involve Armando Benitez, but I don't think he's coming back. No. Uh, he's been thrown but, to the dugout too many times. Yes. But, like, it's it's fun to watch baseball players go at it 
it adds sort of emotional stakes to the thing. And, and so many people on Twitter are such big wrestling fans. And there's so many elements of baseball that are essentially kayfabe, uh, which is the, the wrestling term for sort of, you know, manufactured entertainment that, that they don't seem to enjoy, which just, it boggles my mind. It, you know, it's, it's the parts of baseball that are, you know, they're, they're flourishes that are fun to watch. Uh, you know, I like all the other elements of baseball, the sporting elements of baseball, the sort of finesse and those important things. But, you know, bat flips are fun to watch. So are bean balls. Uh, so from a fan perspective, I am in favor of what happened to Derek Dietrich today because it was fun. I enjoyed it. You know, whenever I hear benches clearing, I always flip to the game, so I want to watch it. It's right. Fun. It's a must-see yeah. moment. Exactly. Um, and so other things happening early in the season are early season overreactions, as always. Um, you know, small sample size. Fans only focus on small things that they can see. But there have been two teams that have been pretty surprising uh, in their early season uh, Surprising struggles, in a negative way. In a right. negative way. There have been a couple of teams that have been surprising in a positive way. The Tigers were 7-3 somehow. The Mariners who are 8-2. Um, but but in a, to 9-2. In, yeah. Um, but in a negative way, I'm talking about the Red Sox and the Cubs. Red Sox are, as of tape, 2-8. Uh, and eight. They're tied at 0-0 in the sixth inning right now. And the Cubs just dropped another game today, so they moved to 2-7. and seven. Um, Which... Uh, both teams right now are in last place in pitching ERA. Uh, Cubs are last with 787. And the Red Sox are in second to last with a 697 ERA. Uh, so, in summation, not great. Their pitching has been bad. Uh, been so, really which team? Bad. It's been really bad. Uh, put it in perspective, the Nationals, who have had the worst bullpen ever, have a team ERA of 566. So... You know, not you know, bad, but not Red Sox or Cubs bad. Uh, right. So the each team has very has had some very concerning signs so far. But which one are you less concerned with um, between the Cubs and the Red Sox? So it's hard. I think the Red Sox have genuine concerns. You know, the rotation has been terrible, uh, where it previously had been a strength. And normally, you know, you wouldn't fret about that because it's been ten games. But you know, the biggest concern is that. Chris Sale's velocity has been very much diminished. Uh, and that, obviously, you know, with a guy who, for the first time in his career, went on the DL with shoulder issues last year, arm issues, uh, is, is something that you would be very concerned about. Uh, you know, last start, he pitched reasonably well. Uh, you know, he gave up one run in six, but he only got one strikeout and basically just didn't throw his fastball from the first inning on. Like he, I think I've read a stat somewhere where he only threw something like 30% fastballs. And like, as the game wore on, I think he only threw maybe 12 fastballs from the second to the sixth inning. Uh, and this is a guy with a fastball. It's touched 99 at times. Like he shouldn't be afraid to throw his fastball. Uh, and if he is, there's something not right, you know, physically. Uh, yeah. So that's, I think, a bigger concern than anything that the Cubs have. But the big difference here 
is how far the Cubs have fallen back. Uh, that's the thing I'd be most concerned about. I mean, you look at the Brewers. The Brewers have played great to start the season, and they, you know, are uh, they're eight and two. So between that, the the Cubs have now dropped. I think it's what five and a half games. Yeah. Uh, on the Brewers, and I don't know that the Cubs are five and a half games better than the Brewers over the course of a hundred and. 54 games, which is what we've got left now, or 152 games, whatever. Uh, the point is, yeah, I, I think that the Red Sox have gotten lucky that the Yankees have had sort of a slower start than the Brewers. They've won uh, three three in a row, though. Uh, I mean, yeah, they well, played yeah. the Orioles, Tigers, right. Orioles, but... Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I think going five and four against Orioles, Tigers, Orioles qualifies as a slow start yeah no you're not wrong yeah i mean the the red sox have had a more difficult schedule uh it's been all west coast trips they haven't even had a home game yet Mm -hmm. uh but i mean they haven't played anyone great i played the a's uh lost two out of three to them uh but the point is that the red sox i think should be more concerned if only because of Chris Sale and because you know if they've got that that bullpen that's just awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cubs bullpen is also a big sore spot. It's been terrible to start the season as well. They just uh, sent down uh, they just sent down Carl Edwards Jr. Which right, is interesting. And yeah, they you know Edwards Jr. had been a, a huge piece for them for a long time. To send him down uh, because of early season struggles is really something. Uh, you know, it's just, I don't know. I think the Red Sox have just the biggest concern of the two teams in sale and in the rotation. Uh, but I just, I think this early season slide could really impact the Cubs. I mean, they now have to work really, really hard just to get back to even. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Cubs rotation is is much better than it has been. I don't think Jose Quintana is the kind of pitcher who will give up eight runs in every game. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'd still be very concerned if I was a Cubs fan. Yeah. And very happy if you're a person who hates the Cubs like me. Yes. Um, interestingly, uh, Red Sox today going with kind of a more of a bullpen t- game type uh, setup with uh, Hector Velasquez going three innings and then Brennan Workman uh, coming in relief after that, and no, so far no runs. So yep, and they they just took the lead. Uh, Mitch Moreland hit a go ahead homer in the seventh. So I mean, you wouldn't think that a bullpen game would be a great idea when your bullpen is not exactly a strength on this team, but you know it worked out. It's not like the Diamondbacks are world beaters offensively, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I still. You know, you look at the Red Sox and their roster, and you just you think they're going to be fine. I mean, you see the big hole in the bullpen, but you know, you just yeah. They I mean, won 108 games in the division last year. Yeah, they brought back essentially the same team minus Craig Kimbrell. Like that's it's a good team. They're not a yeah. 200 uh, winning percentage team, obviously. 
And they've had some slow starts from some guys. Uh, ben Attendee only has a 708 OPS. Um, Rafi Devers, who's hitting in the five hole today, has a 584 uh, OPS. And then the bottom of their order has just been not existent. And that'll change. They have a very deep lineup. These guys can hit. Right. Um, so yeah, the, the Cubs, you know, the Cubs came into the season. Uh, Pakoda predicted them last place in the division. Uh, and, yeah, I think they have some real concerns. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have here today. Uh, it's been a very exciting week of baseball. We'll have another very exciting week to talk about next week. So until hope. then, yeah. until then, we will see you later. Yep. See you later.